Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, we have Miss Ray Lyon. Hello. Good morning. Um, I am Brianna Larimer, but our special guest, I want to say a very good morning to Mayor Carrie Turgeon. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is. It's our pleasure. Um, we are enjoying. We've had some time together this morning. We're enjoying this this girl power energy that we, yes. we just yes. said. Yes. So, um, <laughs> I want to start out a little bit for those who are still getting to know you. Mayor Turgeon, tell me a little bit about you. Well, sure. Well, I'm the second woman to lead the capital city, and I've been the mayor now for seven years. I'm a lifelong Jefferson City resident, love our capital city, and decided to run for mayor because I really wanted to see good things happen in Jefferson City. Uh, before that, I was on the city council for six years, and I also own Carrie's Hallmark Shop mm-hmm. in downtown Jefferson City. So I'm a small business owner now, a third generation, and it's fun to be in business and have that aspect of it because really like customer service, like that level of serving your customer. In this case, now I'm serving the community members and the citizens. So, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of customer service type of aspect, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Jefferson City's home for you. Yes. Okay. Born and raised, it yes. sounds like. Love I it. lived there for two years and went to Bel Air Elementary. You were a Bel Air Bulldog. Yeah. Okay. I was okay. a West School Wildcat. All right. So. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's about all I remember. But um, <laughs> and an outdoor skating rink, which is, is now, now indoor. Yes. And so Washington Park Ice Arena, and I have to say that because we're one of the few places with ice. So Columbia comes to Jefferson City to skate, yes. and of course we grew up skating. We all love to skate because of that, and so we have hockey and skating, and it's an asset to Jefferson City it is. because you have to go to Springfield or St. Louis or Kansas City really yes. to get that. Yes. So we love our our ice. My yeah. brother was very excited um, with that because he moved here from Springfield. And so he is ah. a, a skater. So he's up at your rink uh, uh, frequently. So. Awesome. <laughs> I don't think my ankles could do it anymore. But oh, yeah. I have pictures of myself at little little skating um, recitals and little dresses and everything wow. at Washington Park. Still when it was outside, of course. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember those days outside. Yep. Yes. What would you say your favorite part is then, knowing now that you're, you're homegrown there in Jefferson City? Uh, what's your favorite part about the, the city? Oh, I love so many things about it. I love uh, the new projects lately that we've seen happen in Jefferson City. So we have a brand new amphitheater, which is really cool. Wow. Uh, and you can see concerts and shows there. So it's the uh, the amphitheater out at Riverside and it's the MU Healthcare Capital Region Amphitheater. So please come down there if you haven't yet. It's an amazing venue and people love it. So that's something that's really neat because it's just so well done. And then uh, our new Bicentennial Bridge to Adrian's Island at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So we have some really neat features that make us special and unique. We are a, a, a town with a lot of history. We have mm-hmm. a lot of tourism. 
something else that I love is our historic Missouri State Penitentiary. Who would have said they love yeah, right. a penitentiary? I went to a concert there. Yes. We used to. Yeah, oh, my gosh. It is cool. Travis Tritt was there our first time. Yes. We had Winona Judd. We had. Big and Rich. Uh, Big and Rich. That yep. was one of the best yep. concerts yes. ever. They came and they rocked Jeff City yes. Moe down by the river in Jeff City Moe, yes. like they say in their song. And showing that we can use the penitentiary. It's it's a retired historic prison mm-hmm. for things other than just the the tours, which are very popular, but using it for concert space and yeah. venue space. So we are currently, uh, we, we got some of the acres from the, the state, which took several years to get because it is state property. And we're planning now to put a hotel and conference center adjacent to the historic structures. Wow. So that hopefully we can do more things like yeah. concerts and utilize that space because it is very unique. There's very few cities. In fact, Jefferson City is the only city that has this combination of three things. We have a capital, a river, and a historic penitentiary. We're the only city with all three. Wow. And historic pens are very big tourist attractions. Yeah. And this was the oldest operating prison west of the Mississippi and 100 years older than Alcatraz. So Missouri Pen Tours, look it up uh, if you haven't had a tour. I would highly encourage it. It was neat. And, you know, when we went there for the Big and Rich concert, they served dinner in the place where the inmates would have eaten. Yes. And the really cool thing, I mean, it was a little creepy, of course, walk, you know, because you're like people like lived here, you know, that were incarcerated. They had the artwork of the yes. inmates up. And I'm here to tell you, some of that was amazing. Mm, like, you could probably fund the whole project if that went on the market. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very, very beautiful artwork. Yeah, it's a yeah. part of our history yeah. and it's something to understand and know about. And it really is. You're right. There's a lot more to it. People don't realize yes. what has gone on inside those walls. Yes. And so it's it's a it's definitely a tourist attraction and, and understandably so. Yeah, it was neat. I have to say the other thing that uh, Jefferson City can be proud of is my all-time favorite band, homegrown in Jefferson City, Murphy's Ford. Oh, love Murphy's uh, Ford. <laughs> yeah. I think they opened for Big and Rich. Did they? Yeah. Yes, okay. they sure did. Yeah. They are incredible. They are. They yes. are. Uh, we had an opportunity when uh, my husband works in radio, and so ah. uh, they won the local competition to move on to Nashville, mm. and we had an opportunity to go and support them in Nashville for that Nash Next competition, and and uh, it, they're a great group. Great group. So when you get an opportunity to get out and see Murphy's Ford, I'm going to give them a plug, too. So. Wow. Yeah. We, we're just, who else? I know. Who else? I, I agree. City. I, yes. do. I love Jefferson City. Yeah, definitely a, give them a plug. They are Their music is incredible. If you haven't checked yeah. out Murphy's Ford, I love them. My Bar First is, is a good one. There's yeah. a bunch of them. There's so many good songs. Definitely. Yes. So we could talk all day about this, truly, yes. because like I said, I love your city and Thank I love you. what you're doing there, Mayor Turgeon. And Thanks. I want to talk a little bit about um, your coming to where you are now as mayor. And we said that it's been seven years. Seven yes, years seven now. years as mayor. So talk a little bit about some of the, the, the transition from city council to now being mayor. Any maybe obstacles that you had to overcome during that time. Sure. What did that look like? Well, I think the first one is not even knowing that this was the path I would ever take. And I think sometimes we think, you know, you go to high school and college and you should know what you're going to do with your life. And one thing is just that it changes and it evolves and that's okay. And that's good. I mean, change is good. And I never thought that I never majored in mayor when I was in college. (laughs) There's no such thing. You know, you just have to sort of take the opportunities that come before you. And, And I felt like if I really wanted to see 
see things happen. And actually, when I ran for council, um, six I was there for six years, I was motivated to run. I think if I had been content with leadership, I probably would have not run. Mm. But there were decisions made. They actually tore down a row of historic homes that I thought was the wrong decision. And it just fired me up and motivated me. And people asked me to run. They saw that leadership quality that I didn't even see in myself. And I resisted it and thought, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue about city government and actually ran and, and won that race and and got in there and, and very thankful. But it, it was just I was motivated to make change. And so I, I it takes that getting fired up, I think, sometimes. And then I was on council for six years. And actually, when I was when it was time to run for my last term, I lost the election. And so after losing, that's something that, you know, it's very public when you lose an election and you can take it many ways, like you can feel rejected, like this is not what the city wants. And I guess I'll just do something else or you can turn it around. And the night that I lost, people came up to me and said, good, now you can run for mayor because (laughs) they liked the direction we were going, but it took it to a higher leadership level. And so one year later, I won the election as mayor with a good team behind me and haven't looked back ever since. And now we're actually getting things done that we've talked about in our community for many years. Nice. You know, you mentioned that about um, that fire in the belly. And, you know, there was a book that I read, um, uh, Robin Sharma, and he had a book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And there was one quote, the, the titles about what I remember from the book. But there was one quote in there that he says, you don't change when you see the light, but when you feel the heat. And so that, you know, when you said, ah, when that historic row of homes fell, then that was the the fire that you felt the heat Mm -hmm. to make the change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many places where there are things that we may want to change. And, you know, we we think of change as difficult and it is difficult and challenging, but I think change can be good and Mm -hmm. we should embrace it. And it's the only thing really constant is change in life and being okay with that and learning how to navigate it and using it to our advantage. And whether it's in leadership and saying, I think we should change this and we can do this. And if we work together, we can make it happen. So change is very important, but we look at it sometimes maybe as a bad thing or Mm -hmm. as a challenge or an obstacle. And yeah, it absolutely can be, but it can be so good for us. Yeah. What do you do? You know, obviously as leaders, we navigate that often. Um, And often we're the instigators Mm -hmm. of it for our people. But How do you deal with change fatigue and especially coming out of 2020 and we'll be coming out of it? I mean, I I think we'll always look upon it like we did, you know, the the 1930s and the 1920s, you know, as something very monumental um, in our history. But how do you deal with the change fatigue of your constituents? I think you have to adapt and you have to adapt quickly and you have to be able to uh, build those relationships with everybody around you, whether it's uh, in a city uh, environment, it's your EMS and your police and your fire, or if it's uh, in the workplace environment with your coworkers or, or your neighbors or your friends or your family, you have to adapt quickly. You have to be uh, very, very nimble in that way. You can't just do it the old way and expect that it's going to be okay. And you have to be all right with that. 
that and continue learning and um, practicing and building relationships with those others around you, around you and your team. You know, if you don't have a team, you you better get one and get that formed. And um, and then when you do have your team, continuously um, checking in with them and adding to that team is, is important. It's not a constant. Your team is going to change and evolve. And that's good, too. So, you know, during all these challenges of, of a pandemic and in our case, you know, having a tornado three years ago, whatever our challenges have been, we have to realize that uh, maybe our leadership style can change, but um, building the trust before you encounter mm-hmm. those challenges so is important. so important. They, yes. they always say you want to know on the blue sky days who those people are going to be if you ever have those things. And we practice it regularly. In fact, I think tomorrow I have another practice session where we uh, go through drills and, and just getting to know those people. It's not even about just the drills. It's like, who is that person I'm going to call? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in fact, when we had our tornado Columbia made it. The Columbia PD was there before I got there to the EOC, to Emergency <laughs> Operations Center. I thought, how did Columbia get here? I mean, it was so incredible because you build those relationships. You know who they are. You know their numbers. You know them face to face. And you know their friends and their families and what they're about. And, and it's important to know that before you need to know it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We emphasize that a lot, um, you know, in all of our trainings where we're talking with supervisors, management and leaders on that idea that you have to be intentional about making those relationships. You're absolutely right. Before you actually need to call upon that person. Yes. Um, you know, talk a little bit about uh, you mentioned it, uh, that those relationships were, were important during those challenging circumstances like the tornado um, and like the pandemic. When you think back, when we think back to 2019 and um, the night that the tornado hit, what was your mode or what did you do, I guess, uh, to really start the process that obviously the evolutionary change process now moving forward, uh, kind of dealing with the remnants of a tornado? Well, it was it was definitely the biggest challenge I've ever faced in my life. And I know a lot of others felt the same. And I think the challenge was that Every one of us in leadership positions had to instantly kind of snap into action to figure out how to navigate this and and help others and put the community back. But we also were each dealing with how the tornado affected us because it either affected our homes or our families or our businesses or we all were affected, if not exactly directly, then pretty clear indirectly. Um, in fact, that night, um, I called my family and my mom and my sister or everybody around me. And I called my brother thinking, well, he's fine. It's my little brother. And his uh, business actually had been completely wiped out. Oh so he was, you know, had watched it on his uh, on the, the camera and was telling me it's just gone. It's gone. It's gone. And then you have to then say, okay, well, are you okay? And then you have to move on and, and put the city back together. And then within an hour, I had today's show calling. And I thought, how am I going to talk to, how do you talk to a national news organization? And they put a camera in your face and a microphone when the sun hasn't even come up. And I don't even know. Um, and you figure out pretty quickly that you have to get it together and you have to remain calm and and you will figure it out. And there's really, you know, nothing that the good Lord puts in front of us that we can't handle. Uh, we were very fortunate that night that nobody was seriously hurt uh, because I think the, the practice, uh, people had practiced what to do in that situation. But you have to remain calm. And even when I didn't really know how we were going to put it all back together I knew that we were going to be strong together. And I remember that very first news interview saying, we're going to figure this out and how we're going to do it is by working together. And those challenges made us a stronger and better city. We we are better for it. 
I don't encourage that on anyone. I don't wish it <laughs> yeah. on anyone. But I will tell you, we are changed. We are a changed city because after a tornado of, of that magnitude that goes for so long through such a stretch of your city and affects mm-hmm. so many people, you realize what really matters in life in an mm-hmm. instant. Within seconds, you know that, are you okay? Okay, I know your business is gone, your home's gone, your car's upside down. I know all this, but are you okay? And your friends and your family is what matters. The, things can be replaced. Things aren't really important. So in an instant, you realize all those things that we really worry about are are not what's important. So you get focused pretty quickly and on working together. And Mm -hmm. we we really the hashtag was JC strong and we became strong and we will always be strong after going through that. Absolutely. I think you're right. Focusing on the people and their emotions and not just the technical side of change. I know we're talking about a tornado that was devastating to your city, but any kind of change when leaders are taking their people through change, you know, change is a process, um, but it's the transition that the people are going through that psychological transition, that something is different. And I think a lot of times leadership forgets the transition Um, We're good at the process. Step one, step two, step three. But we don't always address the the psychological needs of the people. And honestly, in an organization, the people that are having to go through the transition don't care that the profit margin is increasing by 2.7 percent. They don't care. You know, they want to know, how is this going to affect my morning routine? How is this going to affect who I report to? You know, I mean, they're worried about those things, you know, a little different in a tornado and a pandemic. But just overall, organizationally, we don't always address some of those psychological issues. That's true. And, you know, in those situations when there's change that a lot of times fear and uncertainty come with it. And I think that as leaders, it's important because they're all looking to us. I mean, all eyes are on us when those situations occur and having to lead through them is we have to find our calm in order for others to remain calm around us. And we have to say it's going to be okay, but we have to absolutely know it and believe it. You Mm -hmm. can't just say it if you don't believe it in your heart. They're going to know around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're absolutely a mirror to everybody around us and we reflect back what we want to get back from people. And so really... As leaders, I think finding calm is difficult because we as leaders can be overwhelmed, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think it's important so that in those high stress type situations, uh, whether it's a tornado or pandemic or just whatever may be happening uh, for the day that we can can come to that place. And uh, for me, I I know I've practiced yoga, um, trying to just those kind of things that help you find calm. Even as silly as it sounds, you know, taking a deep breath or maybe listening to to music. There's certain music that will calm me down or, you know, whatever it is in life that you have to do. Figure it out and mm-hmm. practice it. And maybe it's talking to someone, whether it's a good friend or sending a message to someone that you know that you can talk to. So whatever it may be. Um, and if you don't know what it is, find someone that can help you figure that out. Because I think I know we talk about how important it is, you know, mentally to be strong. But we all are are human and we all have those needs and and we need to figure out how to how to find that calm together if we want to lead effectively and and help others around us. What a great point, Carrie. You know, that self-care, that idea of 
taking care of yourself so you can take care of others because that is really key. Uh, I Yeah, great point. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, I love that we've talked a lot about making sure we're addressing that emotional impact. Because a lot of times when things are changing, I mean, obviously in a tornado, the emotions come naturally there too. But any type of change, there are going to be those emotions. And sometimes people have to grieve, you know, have to be able to. Yeah, there's a loss, right? There is. There is. And so um, too many times, I think that we've talked about this on previous episodes where the traditional kind of workforce really encouraged don't bring emotions to work you know leave that at the door and now we're seeing a huge um, change with our workforce and this modern workforce wanting uh, to talk about emotions talking about emotional intelligence probably the topic we get the most training requests for and so I guess how important um, thinking about that and, and even on a bigger scale has has been addressing the emotions during changing times been for you and your leadership? Well, I think for one, I don't know that I even realized how much emotion plays into so many of these things. And when we had the tornado and working with um, those experts in the field that come in after a disaster, uh, what I learned was the steps of a disaster when you go through whatever the disaster may be. I mean, maybe it's a natural disaster. Maybe it's a disaster in your own family or, or personal life. But whatever you're going through, that there's stages of it. And in the beginning, you're very uh, you're um, invigorated and you're helping everyone and you're energized. And then you get fatigued and you get tired and you get worn out and you get burned out. And that's where um, the problems can set in. So that was evident with the tornado and same with the pandemic. It was the same things that happened. Uh, and and I didn't even really realize it. But after you go through it and you learn that from the experts that this is natural and this is going to happen. So then you're almost after we hit the tornado, like one year later and went into the pandemic, it's like, oh, we're prepared for this. Like, I get it now. We went through this. I know the fatigue that happens after everybody's energized and helping everyone. I know the frustration level that we're at now because it's been going on for so long. I get it because we went through it. But you have to almost understand and accept that that's going to happen and kind of be prepared for that tidal wave of the good and the bad and how you're going to handle it. And sometimes we, we don't want to talk about the bad or we don't want to talk about the challenges because it's not popular or we shouldn't. And I think that until we can address it and and say that it is okay. And guess what? You are going to go through those stages and you are going to have those ups and downs. And when you're at the bottom of the hill, how are you going to get back up and Find your your tribe, find your peace, find your your calm, find your people that are going to get you back up because it, it is going to happen whether we like it or not. And whether as leaders we want to talk about it or not, it is absolutely OK to talk about it and figure out and practice how to get through it. Yes. You're not going to skip it. Right. You no, know, right. that that's what I hear you saying, too, even though from one episode to the next episode, you learned from the experts in between. So you knew it was coming. But guess what? You're not going to skip it. You're still going to go through it. You could just go through it better, Mm -hmm. you know, because of what you've done together. Mm -hmm. So that's a good message for leaders is just because I know it's coming doesn't mean I get to skip it. You're going to go through it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're just going to be better at it. I think a fallacy, and I think you spoke to this, Mayor Turgeon, a little bit, is that idea of, well, I don't want to make that idea bigger. You know, I don't want to emphasize the negative. I really want to just push through to, oh, it's going to be better. But Mm -hmm. you have to sit in that sometimes. Of course. And acknowledge the fact that that this is a difficult situation. And And let other people. Exactly. You know, say, you're going to be frustrated, you know, and say, it's okay to be frustrated or Mm -hmm. sad or overwhelmed or that would be, it would be unnatural not to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah. I think back to that. And we, we play it in our trainings. Have you watched uh, the Disney movie Inside Out? No. Oh, one of my favorite. It's a cartoon. Is it? Cartoon. Yeah, but it is. I have to it watch is. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all the characters are emotions. And, oh. <laughs> uh, and so there's a particular scene where one of the characters is uh, really sad. And you see Joy coming through and trying to cheer him up. It'll be okay. It'll, you know, it'll be fine. Let's just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Right. Don't makes, be sad. Don't be don't sad. Don't be sad. Yeah. yeah. And I think how often do we do that in mm-hmm. organizations? Yes. You know? And that's not giving people the space they need to process what's really going on. Right. I think we need to find those that encourage us and lift mm-hmm. us up. And I think that's so important. And and there is a difference between going through negativity and being negative and focusing yeah. oh, on right. the negative. So there's Good all point. of that. And and I know in, in my position as mayor, there's so many times when I could rehash things or bring up negative. And you'll find whether you follow me on social media or whatever it may be, uh, I don't want to go back and prove a point and prove somebody right or wrong. It's like move on from it and it's OK. Um, I know I'm kind of shifting gears from the the some of the things we've gone through into more of things that I deal with on a daily basis is that uh, we can often we, we kind of live in news cycles in, in, in this <laughs> world, you know, like, do I really want want to or need to rehash that just to prove that we are right or this should be this way or that way? And I don't know if that makes sense, but so often we almost feel like we and I think sometimes as leaders or as women, we point out our flaws and, mm-hmm. and others wouldn't have even noticed if we hadn't said it. I don't know why we feel like we have to apologize for us or we have to bring out. I mean, and it takes practice and I'll catch myself doing it. And uh, so often I'll say, you know, you don't really need to come in a room and say, oh, you know, well, I had this, this and this and this all happened to me today. And that's why this yeah. is going on. Mm-hmm. You know what? People, we, we don't need to focus. We just put so much focus on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a natural tendency that we have to feel like we've got to explain whatever, why we think there's a flaw. You know what? We There's so much good that people wouldn't even notice those things if we didn't talk about them or focus on them. Focus on the good. You said you follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I like to put out there what I want to put out there because the, the good and the fun, I mean, it doesn't mean that the other things aren't happening and the challenges, but sometimes we like create our own challenges and we create our own flaws and we don't need to do that. I think it's, I, I see it all the time. And when you start focusing on it and practicing like how to not do that and it's hard because I catch myself yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Energy attracts attracts like energy though. Yeah. What are you gonna you know? put out there? You put yes. out the the negative the vibes, guess what? Negative vibes come back. You put out that positive mojo, guess mm-hmm. what? Positive people are gonna be attracted to it. And here's the thing just, in politics, people often not often, I'm pretty lucky. I have a lot of positive and great feedback. But the, the times that I don't get that and people are either upset or frustrated or feel like since we're political leaders, they can talk to us maybe mm. differently and uh and which is not really polite. Uh, there are times when I could could uh, rather than engage, I mean, it's, it's nice to explain myself and here's why I made this decision and here's why I think this is the way to go. Uh, I think it's important to engage in that, but not to dwell on it and mm-hmm. not to be too uh, sidetracked and focused on that. I think it's important to continually um, acknowledge and communicate, but move forward. Mm-hmm. That was one of my questions. Like, how do you deal with, and I don't really, I, I wrote down the word <laughs> haters, but uh, I didn't know what the, the right, but how do you deal with that because people do want to, you know, feel like they're the voice of the other side of things, you know? 
Yeah, I think uh, in this day and age, for one, on social media, I try not to engage in a conversation Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So often conversations will get completely out of control because it's hard to get the right context. You can't have communication and a real conversation sometimes like that on social media. So that's one thing that I'll you you will not often see me engage. And sometimes I'll start to type a reply Uh and delete, whether it's an email or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what? Wait a minute. Is this really the best way? Because sometimes it's best to just let it go. And so often we don't want to let it go. We want to prove that we're right or we want to sure. prove this wrong. No, I think it's important to deal with uh, those situations and realize when it's right to engage and when it really is not. And you you kind of get to know that and learn that. Mm-hmm. But um, and being OK with it and realizing how are you going to take criticism? Because I take it all the time and a lot of us do. And you have to understand it can be hurtful. And how are you going to work through that hurt and how are you going to let it affect you? And also realizing when we put that hurt on others or what we're saying to others. And so just trying to rise above that and not let it get to you. Um, sometimes it is impossible, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I know something else and this is similar to the question, but not is whenever if I'm meeting people I don't know. And I would say, you know, to a group like I'm the mayor of Jefferson City, I'm the mayor. And they'll say, wait, what? You're the mayor? Like the reaction that I get a lot and and especially uh, I still get that reaction. I've been, you know, seven years as mayor and I love that reaction. And some people might be offended like, yeah, you don't think I'm the mayor? Well, they don't. (laughs) I have the T-shirt. Yes, I I really am. I mean, I've literally had people that have Googled me and said, oh, okay, you really are like because. (laughs) the disbelief and it's and it's interesting to hear why do people not think that well because you know being a young energetic woman the unexpectedness I love I love that reaction and sometimes I'll talk to school groups and say that I may get that reaction and why do I get that because sometimes we'll look at a person and we automatically judge and say I think this person is this or that or here's what I think you can do based on what I think you can do and so we should always say we accept each other and and encourage each other no matter matter what we are or look like, that we shouldn't put these predetermined things on other people um, just based on that. And and it's interesting because it's very natural. I get it all the time. And after I spoke to a group one time, a young student came up to me, a young girl, and she said, I'm glad you said that because she wanted to be a welder. And she says, whenever she tells Mm. people she wants to be a welder, Mm. people give her this look like, you want to do what? And she said, you know, it's unusual, but this is what I want to do in life. And, And it's okay. And it's okay to get that reaction action of kind of puzzled disbelief, but we should never judge others. We should encourage others. And it's a good practice to have. So yeah. I love that reaction. I'll take yeah. that reaction every day. Surprise I them every time. It. Yes. Yeah. We should all surprise them in what we do. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, and, and we we talked about this this morning before we, we jumped on onto this episode, but you know, that authenticity, that genuineness that you bring to your leadership, I think you might get that reaction in some cases because a lot of people are surprised because it does seem like sometimes when you put on, um, you know, the hat of a politician that something changes. Horns but, grow right, and right, steam right. boils out of your nose. And, and that's what I've loved about you. And on, honestly, that was one of the things that I was so excited when you said yes to this interview, oh, because you. Yeah. I just wanted to see you meet you as a person because your energy is contagious. Um, and I think that that is um, what people love about you in your role. And that that it creates a ripple effect into other people uh, wanting to do good and, and be good. So testament to your Aww. leadership stuff. 
Well, thank you. Yes. And I hope that we can all be that example. And, yes. you know, we so often we have the choice. I mean, we can be offended so easily. Like sure. you said, how do you deal with the the haters? How do you deal with that? <laughs> we can be offended or we can accept it and acknowledge it and communicate and then move forward and go on. And yeah. it's so much in how we react to it. And it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, but it can be done. Yeah. We can all do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we encourage each other. That's how I'm doing it. I'm mm-hmm. not doing this by myself. I'm doing this because I have others that encourage me. And when I hear those comments and people take the time out to say like what you just said, that is what kind of builds us up. That's what encourages us to keep going every day and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a story in your head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, the story I get, I can hear the story in Carrie's head, you know, about what she just said and thinking about that, that person who asks or makes that that nasty comment or whatever. And, you know, wow, at least this person is reading. They're staying up to date on on current events. You know, they're courageous enough to make a comment. You know, I mean, you can change that narrative in your head, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and not about they're making a slanderous uh, remark, you know, or they're out to get me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one interpretation. The other could be, wow, that took a lot of courage. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, you can just you can change the story. Right. And I think it's important to something I always say to myself, because you got to almost talk to yourself, too. And there are things in your head, like you said, I always tell myself I'm doing the best I can because I know that there's times maybe I feel like, oh, I could have done better or I could have done this different or whatever it may be in those challenges that we're faced with or whatever it may be. But just I feel myself almost every day saying, "Okay, I'm doing the best I can and being okay with that and understanding that 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 is okay." Yeah. Yeah. You got a tough job. You're doing a great. You're doing great. You're such a model for other women and especially young women and girls. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. And we all are. We all can be. Thank you. We can be. I, I will say it like just the the mere fact that we had this conversation in my household. I said, you know, she she doesn't shy away from putting her life out there, you know, and mm-hmm. showing who she truly is. And I think we talked about the modern workforce a little bit. And that's what it's demanding these days of our leaders is be authentically and genuinely you because people are going to see through the facade. Yes. Um, and so I, I again. Oh, yeah. You're not fooling anybody. You're not. You know, you're not in this room at all. But yeah. you might not be getting it, but they already picked I, it up. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> kidding so yourself. I'm curious <laughs> as we start wrapping up, we've talked about change and, and all of what are you most looking forward to in the next five years? either personally or professionally? Oh, there's so much. Well, for one, I'm I'm already going to miss being mayor. Yeah. I'm sad that I only have one year that we have term limits, but I also know that with that is going to come a great opportunity. And I know that eight years while in Jeff City, we have those term limits. It's it's enough time. Like, okay, I've got eight years. Like when you have that deadline, you know you've got to get everything done because in the political world, we can talk about stuff forever. And it's about <laughs> getting stuff done. So when you know you have that term limit, you know that, okay, all these projects like the Bicentennial Bridge and, you know, the prison redevelopment and all those things we talk about, we've got to get it done. So after that, it's interesting because I don't know, but I almost have the same feeling like I didn't know I would be mayor either. Mm. So I hope that whatever's <laughs> out there is going to be like that same feeling, like bigger and better and and whatever it may be. Uh, 
but it is kind of odd when you don't know. And here I am at my age. I just turned 50. So you, you, you kind of, yes, I did oh actually. Goodness. Well, thank you for that reaction. <laughs> I, made my day. I did. I turned 50 in April. And I feel like when you, whatever age you are, you kind of embrace it. I mean, age is a number. It's all in how you feel. It's all in how you react to it. And just like anything in life. So I feel like I'm at the age where I, I, I know what I want now. I know what I want to do. I know what makes, what makes me happy. And, uh, you know, we, we need to embrace age and embrace uh, what we've learned along the way. And so I don't know, but it's weird to like be 50 and be at this position and think I have one year left as mayor. And I I really don't know what opportunity will come uh, for that. But I hope it's something that I can still continue to make a difference and I'll be open to receiving whatever that opportunity might be. Awesome. Love it. I love it. Thank you. You you are (laughs) certainly an inspiration um, around this table and I just appreciate you and your time so much today. And if you have questions or comments or any ideas for future podcast episodes, go ahead and leave us a comment below or send it to mti at missouri.edu. And until next time, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Peace.